awesome. We got a couple more things I want to do, but uh, first, Dave and Ryan, will you guys come up here? We, um, one of the things, a while, a while ago, God gave me this vision of uh, Mountain Chapel, and um, he told me, remember that you are uh, a nursery, not a garden. And the reason why he told me that is because we were, we were all kind of struggling with the idea of things being planted here and growing here for a little while, and then what felt like in the middle of the night, someone coming and ripping our plants out of the ground and taking them somewhere else. Um, and so God literally like shifted in a moment my, my mind and my heart towards growing things that we were literally, things would be put here um, to grow in this soil for a season, like a nursery, um, with the intention of actually letting them go. And all of a sudden it changes the mindset that um, you still tend to the, to what's there, what you're taking care of, and to the things you're growing. But there's an expectation and there's a hope and there's an excitement to actually see things go, even though it's sad. And um, it's been, how long has it been? A year and a half. I was going to say two, but um, it's been a year and a half. These guys just kind of um, rolled into town. And amazing, yeah, quite literally rolled into town. And amazing story, actually, for those of you who remember uh, OT. And um, ran into them in the park and said, you got to come to my church. <laughs> and, uh, and amazingly enough, it was OT's last Sunday with us. He passed away the Tuesday after their first Sunday. And um, they landed here. They impacted us, and we impacted them, and the Holy Spirit fell in their lives. And and um, but it's time to go home, back to Florida, and um, for a couple reasons. But we want to just bless you guys and send you off that um, you'll get planted where you're supposed to be over there, and that roots will grow. And that fertile ground will accept you back into that spot where you're at. You'll find church. You'll find family. And um, I just want to honor you for everything that you poured in. And joining with Jeanette. And um, she's also co-leading in that in the gathering and poured into that through the summer. I just everything. And um, we just just love you guys. And and Dave being on the stage and tearing up the guitar with us. And just love you guys. You you meant so much to us during this season. And uh, you're forever part of our history, and we get to be part of yours. So it's uh, it's amazing. So will you guys just re- uh, extend your hands to these guys? So Lord, we just what a blessing it's been for us to get these guys, and for us to pour into them, and them to pour into us. And we just pray this is next season is going to be. A season of growth and healing. Growth and healing. That all the reasons for moving back to Florida would manifest in a short amount of time. That all the things that are that are bringing them back, all the ways that they feel led back to Florida, would manifest the peace, the healing, the connection. We pray for divine encounters. They would find their people. 
<laughs> I'm their people. Yeah. We just pray for protection. We bless their marriage, their relationship. <laughs> their future. Yeah, amen. Bless you guys. We love you guys. I want to do something real quick. Yeah. I want to do something real quick. Um, I wasn't planning on doing this, but felt like the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to, I want to uh, do like an offering kind of thing for them real quick. It costs a lot to drive across the country. So um, we're just going to keep them right here. We're going to do it a little different. I, we haven't done this in a while, but I'm feeling like the Lord prompting. So we're just going to keep them right here. And um, there's a difference between a tithe and an offering. A tithe you're giving, um, thanks. A tithe you're giving to um, you give to the church that you pour into that pours into you, and it's it's a specific thing. And and um, and an offering is actually something that you um, that you pour into people and invest in people. And so we're actually going to give them an offering. If that makes sense. And so while they're sitting here, and I know it's a kind of a humbling thing to sit here and receive, but it's actually as important to receive as it is to give. And so, um, yeah, if you guys, if you, you feel led, I want you to just come up and just um, throw some offering in this basket and uh, just bless them and their trip back home and love on them for everything they poured in here. And uh, we're just going to do this real quick. And, uh, yeah, so we're gonna, you guys are going to stand here awkwardly with me. <laughs> Because I feel like it's just an important breakthrough for you guys to just have the church love on you guys um, this way. So we just bless you guys. Yeah, feel free to hug on them and love on them. And I'll get this out of your way. If you need to write a check or you want to write a check, you can do that. We'll make sure it gets to them. Um, don't write it directly to them. Write it to Mountain Chapel and just put offering down there in the thing and we'll make sure that they get all that if you need to do that. Awesome. There's no checks in there. So you guys can just take that. You have to give the basket back. But you can take the money out of there. And uh, we love you guys. Bless you. When are you actually leaving town? Thursday. Okay. So you got some time. Take them out to lunch. Take them out to dinner. Something like that. And uh, bless you guys. You're so welcome. Just, yeah, take it. Yeah. We'll give you a Ziploc bag or something. I don't know. We can do that. But, Yeah. We'll escort you to the parking lot or something. If you feel, feel you need that. Yeah, I love you guys. So cool. Like I said, it's like it's amazing how much God puts, how much gold God puts in in one little dirt plot. It's amazing. Shelly, speaking of gold, would you come on up here? 
going to find my notes so that I don't forget. Good morning. How's everybody? Gosh, I feel like I've been to church already. You know, it's like so rich. I want to um, just share a couple of things with you. I want to talk with you, not at you. Talking with you to me means that um, you're engaged listening. And I think that's important specifically for what I have on my heart. So even though I may say things that you already know, which you probably do because I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, um, yeah, engage with me by listening. And I want to start out in saying that something hit my heart this week regarding church and gathering together that We say this a lot. We are a family. You know, sometimes we say we're going to church. But what we're actually doing, we're going to engage with our spiritual family. We're going to cross-pollinate. We're going to interact. And I can really feel that this morning um, in all that Jeanette shared and what she's doing with the women and having loved ones move on. It's family. It's a, it's a family. And I know some of us, all of us, have come from dysfunctional families. And we don't know how to act in church. <laughs> and we're learning. And we're giving grace one to another. And there isn't a formula about doing family. So I just want to say kudos to all of you for hanging in there, being persistent, pursuing love and growing in being family. Cameron mentioned something this morning about those times when it feels like God's heart is just more open towards us. And I'm in such agreement with that for this morning But for this season that we've been in, and I call it open heavens. How many have heard that term and know what I'm talking about? Well, help me later because I'm not sure I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know, we say we're under an open heaven and we feel it and we sense it. But what does that really mean? How does God see that? What does that really mean? But I do know in my knower, how many of you have a knower where you know things and you can't explain them, but you just know and you're confident in what you know, even though it might not make sense to somebody else or you can't explain it or you don't understand it. But I know in my knower that we are in a strategic time in history. We see that in our family life together, that our senior pastor is stepping aside 
and we have a new pastor coming. And that's strategic in the history of Mountain Chapel. We've had that happen several times. And it's always with purpose, and it's always with intention. Navigating the transition is ours. We get to practice it. We get to do it better and better and better all the time. But I really feel like, and the prophetic voices that I've been listening to agree, that in the history of the Bride of Christ, the Body of Christ, that this is a strategic time. A lot of things have been turned up in our nation. Um, The plow has hit the dirt, and a lot of things have come to the surface, which is a good thing. And the body of Christ is being called to activation in ways that maybe we haven't experienced before. I heard one lady say that I accidentally met, you know, after the movie, I can only imagine. We got engaged in this conversation about God, and she, she called it a divine reset. I'm personally experiencing um, increase in things that have been in my heart for years. One of them being family and reprioritizing my commitments to family, my natural family as well as my, what do I call this? Hmm? Extended family, that's good. Oftentimes this family has felt closer than my natural family. Now it's a competition. <laughs> and when I ever get into either or thinking, God says no. It's yes and amen to both. So life is getting reordered. And for some, it may feel like holy chaos. And chaos can be holy. Remember that? It can be holy. One of the things that I want to address and challenge you with is something you already know about, and that's the power in our words, the spoken word, what we think and say about ourselves, about each other, about our town, our state, and our nation have power of life and death. And I'm believing that an accumulation of influence in my life has called me to this, to ask you to join with me in speaking powerful and positive thoughts and words 
over our state, California. There is, over the government, over the bureaucracies, we all have opinions about how they don't work or how they do work and all of that. But for the next, let's say, 10 days, guard your mouth, guard your tongue when it comes to the state of California. Some have said in the past, as California goes, there goes the nation. And, and there's a part of me that believes that, that we are a forerunning state. But what happens for us individually when we choose to walk into God's plan is that he gets glory, we get growth, and we get to see change. So if you can do it for a day, if you can do it for three days, if you can do it for ten days, if you can do it for a month, if you can do it for the rest of your life, however, there's no test at the end of a time on how well you did. But this morning upstairs in prayer, I felt like I saw a picture of God's hand reaching down and putting his finger under each of our heads under our chin and lifting our head as a result of co-laboring with God. There's a synergy that happens when we do things together. When we pray together, when we worship together, things, synergy, I'm not sure I understand that word totally either. But I see it as a swirl of power in the heavens. And there's a synergy that's going to come out of us, this family of believers, when we unite in a simple act of fasting our words against our state. And I look forward to that. I want to give you, I'm I'm just finishing up, and I want to give you a testimony I have two, actually, but I'll give you this one, of uh, co-laboring with God. It's just kind of realigning, resetting, you know, reconditioning our heart to jump on that bandwagon. About somewhere in about 20 years ago, maybe 15, maybe 20, I had a dream, and it was during renewal time, and I've told you, some of you, this. But it's so much fun, I just want to release it. That I was in an upstairs uh, loft in the wintertime with a bunch of young people that had beautiful sweaters and hats and scarves. It was just lovely. And um, a gentleman came over and grabbed my elbow and said, Have you seen, and I don't remember what he said, but he kind of ushered me over to this wall that was covered with a curtain. And as we walked into that room, the curtain, someone pulled the curtain back. And behind that curtain were a half a dozen to ten musical instruments that had not yet been released to earth. It was a wonderful dream. It's a God dream. Definitely a God dream. 
And then last week, when Bob Kilpatrick said that he had created this instrument, I got to go share my dream with him, and he got all excited, you know? Whoa, we've got an instrument from behind the curtain. And I told him, I said, this is probably more for me than it is for you, but here. And when he got so excited, I got so excited. And then I asked God, I said, God, why 15 years later, 20 years later, whatever it is, do you unveil that dream to me? And, you know, his response is, we're in a strategic time for such a time as this. And you've been called, it has to do with identity, to co-labor with me. I put that dream in you and in your heart. And as a prophetic intercessor, when you think about it, when you offer it up without your understanding, you're laboring with me in my plans and my purposes. And that kind of relationship is available to all of us. And there's more. There's more than that available to us. So this is a simple act of co-laboring with Holy Spirit and what I believe God's doing in us and over this state of California is to just fast negative words and thoughts for our state and watch how the Holy Spirit empowers you to one, be more self-aware and invades your heart. We give God our heart and he gives us his kingdom. What an exchange. So yes, Cameron, God's heart is open to us. We feel it. I believe it. And it's time as a body of believers, as the bride of Christ, to stand up and be who he created you to be. To leave your impact in love and kindness. You're being called up. He's lifting your head to a higher place. Thanks so much for letting me share. have your Bibles with you or your phones or whatever. Um, I was reading and I and this this one specific passage stuck out to me that I wanted to um, talk to you guys about real quick in Acts two forty six. One of the things as I'm thinking through what 
this kind of last season of being the senior leader of Mountain Chapel is going to look like for me. Um, I, I've said this before. It's, it's kind of like getting to plan your own funeral. Uh, it's like you know when you're going to die. So a, you get like, you know, i got two months left to figure out what you want. You want everyone, everyone to know before you go away. And, uh, and I talked about freedom as one of, one of the things that God's laid on my heart for years. And I, I just, um, you know, I fell in love with the church years ago. And, and I said, what, is, what does the church need more than anything else? And, uh, and obvi- the obvious answer is Jesus. But, but why? The answer is, you know, is freedom. The church needs freedom. And, uh, and then another thing that's been really um, just on my heart and important to me for for years and years is a just kind of um, just fell more and more in love with the church is is family. How does the church become the family they're supposed to be? And at some level, I think the church, uh, in a comical way, will always be a dysfunctional family. We'll, we'll kind of always have our dysfunctions. The idea is, is that we actually learn to to do what we're going to talk about today within that dysfunction. That we actually learn to function within our dysfunction. We all bring everything that we've done and, and are and all of that stuff, but that we actually learn to walk together and function together in a way that's powerful and brings glory to God. Like, that's the idea. So, And really, that's what this, this verse uh, caught me. Acts two forty six. it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, there's a there's a bunch of different kind of translations of of those different words, and we're going to kind of look at a couple of those words because um, I thought, and how many of you would agree that um, a good sign of a healthy church is being in one accord, eating together with joy and simplicity of heart. That that sounds like a church I want to go to. You can throw in there, like, good music and good preaching, but really, like, the idea is that we're in one accord. A healthy church looks like a group of people in one accord that breaks bread, eats together. There's gladness, and there's simplicity of heart. And I, So I started kind of looking through, like, what, what does that really mean? And So we're going to just go through these words real quick, tie it all up, and, and then uh, on we go. Um... One accord, that word, and some of these words I'm not even going to try, but uh, homothumadon, something like that. Um, anyway, it, it's, a, it's a pretty unique Greek word that uh, is only in Scripture 11 times in the New Testament, and 10 of those 11 times is actually in Acts in referring to the church. As the church was, um, you know, acts as a picture of what the church became after Christ, um, you know, ascended. After the Holy Spirit came, this is what was created. And acts is that picture of how the church was born in the New Testament. And this word, uh, at least 10 out of the 11 times that it's mentioned, in, in, is, is used to describe the, the church in Acts. This one accord. And I started looking into it and reading about it, which is with the Internet. I, I mean, I when I actually started as a pastor, 
um, there wasn't. I mean, the internet existed, but it wasn't like a it wasn't a thing that is what it is now. Especially, you couldn't carry it around in your pocket. Um, but man, with the internet now, you can you can spend days, weeks on like one word, and all these people that have an opinion about it and have studied their whole life and they've spent it on this one verse and this one word. It's it's quite amazing, and I won't do any of that even close to any justice. But I will I'll encourage you to like if you're curious. There's so much information that the internet is is not just for Facebook. Um, so uh, anyway, I started looking into this, and actually, it's a it's a compound word. Um, in in one of its definitions, um, means uh, the first meaning rush along in unison. The second one, and um, I was thinking about when I was in high school, I was in a marching band. And we marched in the, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to march in, you know, growing up in Etna, California. But we got to march in the parade, a couple parades a year. And uh, I was in band, I played drums in, in band. And I remember specifically this one time, because I was really excited, there was these drums that actually sat in the corner of our band room. And they were, uh, they were toms, there was four of them. And they had this big thing that hooked over, maybe you've seen them. And you kind of drum around with yourself, kind of like that. And they all turn, and you can tune them and all stuff. And I'd always seen it over there, but we never had a marching band for a long time that I was there for the first couple of years. And so I always thought, man, that would be fun to actually play. Anyway, so I got it, we got this marching band going. And, and when I heard of this as hurrying along in unison, I immediately went to this memory of marching band. And while we only played, I think that it was... Uh, I think we, I did four times. It was two times my junior year, two times my senior year. At least that's how I remember it. But I do remember lots of practice. And the idea of a marching band is actually the moving is the hardest part. Moving is the hardest part. At the at, Well, the playing of the instruments, you kind of bring that to it. You don't learn how to play your instruments while you're being a marching band. You learn ahead of time. And then you try to do that while you're moving. And um, it gets really funny at first because you don't realize how connected or how so many people with drums, it's not as hard, but how so many of these uh, uh, musicians have sat for so long, they've never thought about their feet and their instrument at the same time. And so now all of a sudden they're and, and you can't look where you're walking, which we're going to get to that point in a, in a second. But you can't look where you're walking, so you're just kind of marching, and you're, you have to do it together, and then you have to hit, and you have to keep a different beat than your, that's the challenge too, is like, most of us don't maybe even realize that we actually, we actually walk to a rhythm, we have a, a rhythm. And you're not, you have a natural rhythm that you kind of just walk to, or maybe you pick up rhythm that's going on, like the radios, or if you've ever, you know, realized that, like, oh, I'm walking to the beat of the radio, or to the beat of whatever. And so we actually pick up rhythm, and so oftentimes the hardest thing is to walk different, to play different than the rhythm you're walking in. Anyway, it's this whole huge thing, but the idea is, is that you're moving in unison uh, along, and you can't stop to play, even though sometimes you do. And I can remember this challenge of playing the drums and how much I enjoyed trying to figure out how to move in unison, how to how to hurry along, and still be able to do what we're supposed to be doing, which is making a sound that is good to hear, 
which if you ever heard of marching band, it, it can go, the spectrum is very wide. Um, we ended up actually having a, a good marching band. Um, and we, anyway, you don't care about that. Um, but it was, it was really fun. And, and it came to my mind this idea that we, we actually are doing this. We actually are, um, we're moving along. And it may be more obvious right now than other times that we're actually moving along because things are inevitably changing. Sometimes we get in the patterns where it's like it doesn't feel necessarily like things change that much. We're fully embraced and, and are in the changing of seasons. We're looking at like a new pastor coming and, and things changing and, then, and all the seasons are shifting and everything is like it's very evident that we're marching right now. And it's all the more important to be in unison. It's all the more important to be of one accord. And uh, it's exciting. And one of the ways you keep things, you keep the, the band moving in one accord, if you've seen our parade, they, they, there's some marching bands. Is there's one person or a, a group of people that keep playing. It's, it's the rhythm section. They keep people marching. They keep the rhythm going. So the people don't march to their own rhythm when they're part of the band. They march to the band's rhythm. They march to the rhythm of the drum. The drum sets the rhythm so everybody marches together. Everybody walks together. And this is the process that we're in. And as I read through this, I thought, man, that's a good picture. It's a great picture that we are... Um, don't be afraid. We're not going to put instruments in your hands, but... Um, but that we're we're moving in unit. We're we're hurrying sounds like rushed and panicky, but there's a there is a forced movement to a parade. When you think about a parade, it's like you can't stop, or the horses are going to come and run you over, or whatever. It's like you can't stop forever. You got to keep going. Like this is it's happening. We're moving, and uh, and so there's this motion of moving forward, and being in one accord or staying in unison is super valuable. So the other place that it's that that word is mentioned is in Romans 15, and um, it, it paints such a great picture of where we're going to, and so I want to I want to read that to you. Um, 15:5 says, "May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind, and that's actually the word that's that's translated one accord, and one voice." You may glorify the God of Father, the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. We're charged to think about each other like Christ thinks about us. One accord is the is the this the like mindedness. It doesn't mean everybody thinks the same. But it doesn't mean that we think about each other like Jesus thinks about us. That's the challenge. So keep that in mind. The second thing is gladness. How many of you know we need more gladness? Did you know that there's actually an anointing of gladness? There's an anointing of joy? Uh, Isaiah 6, 1, 61, sorry. It's a, a popular verse. You guys uh, have heard it. But beauty for ashes. And sometimes, oftentimes, when we hear that quote, we hear joy for mourning. It's actually not joy for mourning. It's the oil of joy for mourning. It's actually the anointing of joy. It's not just you're going to be joyful, but you'll actually be anointed for joy. 
What's the difference? An anointing is actually, uh, it's like uh, we often, I've, I've used the fruit out of season analogy. An anointing is actually um, the physical presence of something that is not yet manifested in the environment. When you think about when, uh, so, well, I'll just stay here. So the anointing for joy is actually that you are given the ability, you're given the physical ability for joy out of season. And this is what we're called for. This is the called two. This is the ability to, to meet together. And how many of you guys know we have a list of things to not be joyful about? There's tons of things. There's plenty of things that, that in our own personal lives, in the life of the like what Shelly was just talking about, the things we're going to be fasting from is talking about all the things that that try to steal and kill and destroy our joy. And the anointing of joy, the anointing of of gladness is actually the ability, the gift, the blessing given through through Christ to be to maintain and hold on to our joy in the midst of that season, in the midst of those things. And so we actually can still stand in those midst. We can stand in those and and realize what's going on. We don't have to put our head in the sand and pretend that everything's uh, everything's fine. But we can actually exist in joy and and Gladness, the word gladness escaped my mind, um, through an anointing, not just through our circumstances. The second uh, place that's mentioned is in Hebrews 1.9. It says, you have loved righteousness, hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So good. You guys know we need a fresh anointing of joy. The church needs a fresh anointing of joy. And I want, I want to make it really clear that when I say joy, I don't just mean laughter. Even though oftentimes joy includes laughter, I don't mean I don't just mean silliness. Or I mean like the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is its the ability to see the best of what's going on around you. Even in the worst of times. See, one of the things actually that in this disaster relief thing that I'm doing with Bethel is that we actually get to encounter people at the worst moment in their life. We're intentionally, we're going into these disasters and we need to be ready to encounter people, not just one or two, or but literally an entire city or entire town at the worst moment in their history. And we show up. Guess you better have your anointing of joy. And it better be real. Because you laughing, <laughs> it's not a time to laugh. But you still need joy. It may be a time to joke and tease, and some people need it. But sometimes you, you need to be serious and you need to be honoring and you need to even weep with people. But you can't put your joy down. You understand that it's, it's not just a behavior, it's not just, but it's literally a heart condition that we exist in in the joy of the Lord. It's, it's really quite amazing and we're meant to, to walk in it. So the, the, the last part 
time is it? All right, we're still going. Uh, we're getting there. Is simplicity. If we look at simplicity, it's actually a really neat word. That word is this is the only place in Scripture that word is used. Just pretty, pretty neat. Simplicity. And simplicity, that, that word actually is used uh, to describe uh, uh, the simplicity or the smoothness of a road. So it would be, uh, if you can picture the simplicity of a road. So it would be, um, of course, back then they didn't have asphalt or concrete or anything like that. They didn't have vehicles. But they did have wheels and carts and horses and things. And we know, if you've ever walked on a trail, the smoother the trail is, the easier it is to walk. Now think back to marching band. If you were leading a marching band through uh, the Trinity Alps wilderness, there's going to be a lot more focus on not falling and crushing your instrument. But when you're walking down Main Street of whatever street, you don't even have to look up, down. Pick up your toes a little bit and just walk how you know how to walk and nothing will get in your way because the road is simple. Simplicity. That's what that word actually means. So we take that and we connect that to the heart. Simplicity of heart. Now heart is just how we would describe it and I have a whole bunch of things on here but I'm not going to talk about them because you guys probably pretty much get it. Heart is us. It's actually has been used for... Um, even though this word actually means physical heart. It actually means the heart that actually creates circulation in your body. And the heart, because of, its, uh, because of, of that purpose, that's actually the center of your body and your circulatory system and keeping you alive. Obviously debatable with your brain and all that, but the point being is that for thousands of years, the heart has symbolized the person, the center of who you are and and how you think and how we dream and how we and all those things and it's it's even in this is um, the word there is actually physical heart but it symbolizes that, that you know mankind who we are and how we think and how we interact and where where we dream from and and um and so when we think of simplicity of heart what i the, the picture i want to paint is actually um it's actually that that there's there's nothing in in my heart that creates a rough road for you and there's nothing in your heart that creates a rough road for me and if there is there there's a willingness to 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 simplify our heart to live together in simplicity of heart is actually that we value each other's heart we value each other's uh, road that we're walking enough to make adjustments so that the marching band continue to move without caution if that makes sense how many of you guys know if everybody has kind of rocky hearts, the whole marching band can't focus on the music, they can't focus on the tune, they can't hear the rhythm, they're focused on not tripping over other people's hearts. And so there's this idea of being in one accord, that joy comes, we're anointed with joy, and that there's a simplicity of heart. We actually can coexist and work together, valuing each other's walk. Valuing the smoothness and the simplicity of the road that we're walking together. And we can actually have a heart that, that can work together, creating this kind of rhythm. Now, there's hard things that we do together in church, but I actually believe the church was designed to be easy. If it continues, there's hard moments we go through. But if church is difficult, I think we're doing it wrong. If it's difficult to be together... 
we're doing something wrong. If it's difficult for people to come in here without feeling like they're stubbing their toes or that it's difficult to navigate, I think we're doing something wrong. We need to maintain, grab a hold of, and cultivate a simplicity of heart that is actually fueled by the joy of gladness. The, the oil, sorry, the oil of gladness. The oil of joy. And if this doesn't, if, if, we, um, if we read this and it doesn't paint the picture that is our church, Let's change our church. Because this was the design. This was the design. When Jesus left, He said, someone's coming. Wait for the Holy Spirit. They wait. The Holy Spirit comes. And this is what came out. The church met together. In one accord. With this rhythm. Moving forward. They ate together. They celebrated together. They gathered together with gladness and the simplicity of heart. That's what it's all about. Brandon brings up, he's talked about revival a few times. and Him and I have talked about that word revival and what's revival mean. And I think that's revival. Revival means that more people come to join in, accord, in one accord and they receive Gladness and simplicity of heart. And they get to eat. <laughs> Eating is in there. I know, anytime it says like, potlucks are not holy, it's like, you need to get in the Bible. That's not the Bible. we got to eat. Our lives are actually meant to complement each other, not challenge each other. I totally understand iron sharpening iron. I, I, I get it. But, but how many of you know that like in the life of a sword, you only spend a very small amount of time sharpening it? I don't want to constantly be sharpened. I don't want to constantly hear the sound of grinding iron. You've got to be willing, because if you never sharpen, it's only a matter of time before what you're doing is just not effective anymore. Right? The story of, of, of the sharpening of the axe, if you've ever heard, heard that, that analogy. That if, if you can keep working hard, but if you don't stop every once in a while to have the, the iron sharpened, then actually what you're doing becomes in vain because you're working harder than you need to work. So I understand the ironing, sharpening, ironing, iron, sharpening, iron. But the idea is that we're actually, our lives are actually designed as believers as we come together to complement each other. How many of you have ever seen the one man marching band? You guys seen it? It's entertaining. But it seems lonely. And it's very limited. We're not designed to be a one man marching band. We're designed to be more like an orchestra. If marching band has a bad taste in your mouth, it's like, eh, marching band. Think of an orchestra and how they all play different things, but with the same intention, with the same direction, with the 
same leading, with the same rhythm. And when everybody plays what they're supposed to be playing in one accord, ah, it's powerful. Powerful. Through Christ. We have access to unity and joy. And our lives work together to glorify God. We're going to take communion. We're going to end with communion. And um, because everything that we are and everything that we do, everything that we, we talk about, the very ability to, to walk out, being in one accord, being anointed with joy, and to actually experience and, and, and walk in the simplicity of heart is all because of the redemptive power of the cross. Because without it, we're constantly trying to earn what we're talking about. We only get it because He gave it. And that's what, that's what communion is, is celebrating, this amazing gift of freedom, redemption, and family. Family connection. That through His blood, we're part of a family. We get to be part of a family. We get to coexist. Go ahead and and pass it out, guys. And it's coming around. And I should have said it earlier. But for those of you who know me, you know I can keep talking. Yeah. Thank you, Annie, for choosing that one moment to agree with something I said. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Um, I, I will share a little bit more of the of this process that we're in because I know that not everybody gets to hear it all the time, but um, next week, actually, um, both Brandon and um, Dave are coming home, and about like 1,500 other students are all flying back in or coming back into to uh, various airports. And um, so next week, next Sunday is actually going to be kind of a missions focus. They're both they're actually doing it. I don't, don't totally know. I just said, hey, why don't you guys take that Sunday and. And share it with. So, I, I, what I'm I'm hoping is we're going to hear tons of really cool testimonies about what God did. They both went different places, and um, and I'm not sure how much of their team will be here and stuff like that. So it should be a lot of fun, um, kind of hearing what went on and and all the cool stuff that that happened. And and um, we support um, that. And so it's kind of the way I think about it is uh, is that we celebrate and those. Those uh, testimonies are, are the fruit of our investment. Not just finances, but I know you guys have been praying. Yeah, thank you. Um, oh. Pardon me, can I have that one? Um, can't throw the sacraments. What are you going to do? Fire me? I've been saving that one. I might use it a couple more times. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I keep hearing a, a, a very similar question, and so I'll take a moment to kind of answer it. Because um, it's, it's super caring and loving, and I appreciate um, how much you guys care. But uh, lots of people have been asking me, you know, how are you doing? How are you doing with this transition? How are you? And my first answer is, I really don't know. <laughs> I think I'm fine. Um, but I really, there's there's definite excitement. 
And it's that kind of excitement that it's not the kind of excitement where you're going, you go to bed and it's Christmas morning in the morning and you're so excited because you know it's coming. Um, I don't know how to describe. I'm trying to think of a physical time when you're. It's it's just excited maybe about. Uh, it's just I don't know what's coming, but I know it's God and because it's God, it's good. That's all I know, and that's exciting. Um, I've been following God long enough to know He's good, and and He's exciting, and so it, it's fun to think about what's what's coming. And, and uh, the way he's going to, both what's coming from Mount Chapel and, and then for me, that's, that's personally too. So super exciting. And the more I talk to Brandon, the more I'm, I've been meeting with him until he went on missions, but meet with him every week. And uh, the more I talk to him, the more I think God knew what he was doing. Like, oh God, you know what you were doing? Like, duh. But I know, I just like, you guys are like, yeah, you're just figuring that out? You know what I mean? Like, just like, I, um, just these little things that I see, like, ah, oh, that's such a good fit. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you have that gifting because I'm horrible at that. Um, anyway, there's just like all kinds of neat stuff that I see that like, that's what God was thinking. Oh, that's what God was thinking. It's so fun to, to get to see that. And I'm excited for you guys to see that too as he gets to kind of be who he is. And, um, and to see what God's going to do with him. And anyway, it's super exciting. Um, as far as like logistics-wise, we still don't have a date. We're trying to figure out. Um, there's some key people that Brandon wants here for kind of the commissioning service. And uh, so we're trying to figure out if that's going to be like the moment um, or if we're just going to kind of have a moment. We don't know what it's going to be like, but um, it'll be sometime in, in June, um, early June, and it'll be fun. It'll be great. We'll celebrate. Um, but I have to told most of you guys this, but I my potentially it's not on a Sunday, I think, but um I actually started here my first day was a Monday when I, I turned thirty. It's my thirtieth birthday. It's my first day in the office. And uh potentially my last day um will mark ten years and be my fortieth birthday. Which is pretty amazing. God's like, Oh God, that's neat. Um so anyway, that's just a side note. But so I, I keep looking at June thirteenth, which is my birthday. For those of you that are filling out cards and checks, uh, but it, that's my birthday, and so I keep thinking if I can push it towards that. But it's not a Sunday anyway. But um, anyway, it's it's fun. Um, oh yeah, we're taking communion. Back to back to communion. This is a tiny words Bible. And uh, there's only a... It's tiny. I'm actually not even going to read it out of here because I know it. Um, God did something in me about six months ago with uh, communion. Um, which is such a funny thing because I wouldn't it's not normally my style opposite of my style God told me you need to relax but me if I relax anymore I'll be asleep I think 
said, you need to relax. Like, I gave you communion because I love you, not because I needed a ceremony. I thought, I know. And I've, t- I've told the story of, of communion of the night, and I, 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 I try to do it justice, and I try to um, let you know what's in my heart, but how much and how uh, important the celebration of the body and the blood of Christ, the, the body that was broken for us and the blood that was poured out for a new covenant. When he sat there at what was a Passover feast, celebrating the blood that saved it, which is a long history. But he sat there and, and began a new thing. He began a new thing, not in the blood of lambs, but with his own blood. And they only knew in very much part when they when the first communion was taken with Jesus. They were like, eh, I don't know. We don't know what's going on really. But he takes this communion and, and he and he breaks the bread and he tells them that my body is broken for you. That every time you break bread, and not just breaking when we, when we see the phrase breaking bread in biblical terms, it's not it actually includes just eating together. But every time you intentionally break bread, every time you take communion together, you break it and you and you it symbolizes the, the agony that he went through. Remember that it was for you. Remember the joy set before him was you. That's this right here. I can't imagine hearing Jesus scream. But I know what he was thinking when he did, which is pretty amazing. As his body broke. He did it for us. Take that. And it seems to me like it it was actually a little bit later after they had been sitting and talking and oh, to be a fly on the wall at the Last Supper. But they were sitting and talking and and he took the the cup and in, in in explaining that see they knew tradition they knew that for the atonement of sin blood had to be shed there had to be death because the wages of sin is death and so that's why blood even though it seems grows what well, is is balance creates balance because something has to die when sin comes into the world every time we choose sin something has to die it's the balance and Jesus when he when his blood was shed he created eternal balance because his blood was always enough for all the sins before and all the sins after and so no longer do we have to go one for one. We don't have like pigeon-sized sin, a little bit of blood, or like oxen-sized sin, lots of blood. 
We just have perfect blood. No longer is there a ritual that we have to balance out to, to for the forgiveness or for the atonement of sin. Our sins were never forgiven; they were just atoned for, meaning that we would that it was just a um, an annual deal. But 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 once and for all, perfect blood would be shed, and that we would enter into through our embracing of the the truth of who Jesus is, we enter into a new covenant, a new agreement that now sins, once and for all, don't have the effect. That the wages of sin in a believer through the blood is no longer death. That through the cross, death has actually lost its sting. That's amazing. So he poured the cup. He said, every time you do this, Every time you think about it, remember the covenant. Do it in remembrance of me. And he basically said, don't, don't stop doing it. We, we do communion pretty much every month together. He said, don't stop doing it until I come back. Until the, the, the glorious return of Jesus. Don't stop doing it. Don't stop remembering what was paid for. Don't stop remembering what was done. It's the hinge pin to everything that we do. And it's just an honor to celebrate it with you guys. And there you go. It's time to go to lunch. That was a teaser. I'm going to put a little butter on there. A little jelly. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. You're amazing. We love you. Thank you for everything you taught us through your disciples and through your teachings. We thank you that you you your design for us is to be together in unity, to be happy, to be joyful, and that you designed us to have a simplicity of heart that our lives would actually um, encourage and complement one another. Thank you, Lord, that that you love us enough to send your Son to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead, that we could have life abundantly. That Not just that we could survive, but that we could have abundant life as a new creation in you. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. We love you. Amen.